Welcome back to the Fitness Stuff for Normal People podcast. I'm Tony. And I'm Mariana. And the fitness industry right now is just not what it could be. It's become something built on unrealistic expectations, aesthetics, external validation, just everything directing attention away from what matters. The bottom line is we're not just trying to provide another fitness podcast, but completely change the industry for the better by providing you with the knowledge and actual tools to give you confidence in applying the best possible training and nutrition into your own life, where today we are going to take you step by step on how to build the perfect high frequency full body training program. You might hear full body and be asking, wait a second, isn't that just for newbies or people who can only work out once to twice a week? I probably don't even need this. Well, we're here to tell you today, the opposite is probably true for more advanced and intermediate trainers, especially over the past few years, full body high frequency training has become very popular programming style in the evidence-based fitness community with many top natural bodybuilding coaches, professional natural bodybuilders, and strength athletes being a testament to its success. High frequency full body training programs are especially helpful for intermediate to advanced lifters who are looking to take their physique and training to the next level. Today, we're going to take you through the research of why this style of training has become as popular as it is today. This episode is also coming out the same week we dropped our high frequency full body 12 week training program for free to all FS premium members. We built out an entire 12 week training program, including micro and meso phases, working from strength and hypertrophy phases into a peak phase where your volume maxes out, even with a set deload to push progress even further. It's all programmed out in Google Sheets so you can track down every last detail of your training to ensure that you keep making progress. It is for free for all premium members, and that's only five bucks a month to be a part of. We'll leave that link in the show notes down below. And if you really like this episode or just the podcast in general, make sure to give us a five-star review wherever you're listening. And you can also follow us on Spotify so you're notified every time we drop a new episode. And before we get into this episode, shout out to our sponsor from day one, Legion Athletics. If you need to re-up on your protein, they just came out with some of their seasonal flavors for the fall for protein, pumpkin, and then they also have apple pie, which I ordered the pumpkin and I think it comes in this week. So I'm very excited to share that. You can get 20% off your first order or double points on every order after that by clicking the link in our show notes below or using the code FSPOD at checkout. I think I found the perfect combo. I told you I take like a half a scoop of their their non-stim and a half a scoop of their stem pre-workout together. So I, I can lower yes. my caffeine dose, but still get the clinical dose of everything else. I think I found the mix match of the perfect flavors. The sour gummy candy non-stim mixed with the sherbet stem. Oh. Interesting. I started like mixing it with more water. I usually just do like this much, but I started making like a full water bottle out of it just because mm-hmm. I like the the taste. It's pretty, pretty Oh, yeah. Good. I I used to do a little bit of my pre-workout with water, and now I do. I don't know why. I just – the taste of it is so concentrated. It? No, no. I used to oh. just do, like, a scoop with just a tiny bit of water so I could just, like, chug it back. And no, I can't do that anymore. I have to do, like, a full glass. I thought you were about to tell us all that you – just dry scoop. I'm like, damn, Mary. No, never or, been a dry scooper. <laughs> she go, she go, I just drop a bomb on everybody. Before we get into something that I'm kind of obsessed with over the past few months, I did want to ask you one question real quick. Okay, so you brought up something on, was it TikTok or Instagram the other day? On TikTok yesterday. Well, what the hell is that? It was, like a, it, was like, you said, it was like an adult Lunchable, but it was like not bad for macros either. Yes. So I've been making 
adult lunch bowls or like a snack box lately for lunch because I just, I go through these phases. I do cook a lot for content, but where I just like can't be bothered to make lunch or meal prep lunch. So I just started putting together like a snack plate, but in Tupperware. So it has like, I'll put some hard boiled eggs, like two hard boiled eggs, some turkey deli meat, and then I'll have crackers, some veggies and hummus. And I had some strawberries and peanut butter in my one yesterday for a little something sweet. And it's just like in a little, a box, like a little Tupperware. And it's like, it's so, so easy and so fun. <laughs> I'm a, I don't think I made it up. I definitely didn't make it up. What are they, it's, wait, what, it's adult the Lunchables. Adult, adult Lunchable. It's Yo, the best. I, would I highly recommend it. I smash those when I was a tubby little teenager. Those were bomb. I liked the che- the cheese and crackers Lunchable. Yeah. It was like crackers oh, with ham, cheese, cheese and ham or something. I did the pizza ones. I loved it. Which are My kind of disgusting if you think about like the raw Ugh, dough. I didn't, and I now it's disgusting. Them. But back then I would crush the pepper on the pizza <laughs> But let's talk about this. Because dude, I, like, okay, I know you have been here. But over the last several months, about six months. I've been here? <laughs> I've been here, here yeah. You've been here chilling. <laughs> From no, day one. Last, so you've heard me talk about it a lot. But I saved a lot of the energy and effort towards this episode. Because I knew we were going to be doing a breakdown on full body training splits. Eventually, it's... 12 weeks now after that push-pull leg breakdown that we did. And over the last like six or so months is when I first started training in like a full body style, doing full body four times per week. And the last several months, I've been following the program that we just dropped on premium. Dude, I'm, I'm all in on full body splits. <laughs> like I'm seeing insane progress myself and I know I can hype it up all the want. I know that's not a good enough reason. So we're actually going to give you the science behind why. But I like to test things out on myself before recommending it. In the 10 years, 10 plus years of training I've had, I've never seen as quick of changes and my body responds so, so well to certain aspects. So I'm pumped to break down the actual why behind it, because I think this is going to be the hottest split in the next several years. I do. Oh, Which, yeah. You, you were telling I, me you've never done it yourself. Mm-hmm. You've, you've been in and out. You've had clients, but you've never done it yourself, right? Yeah. I feel like I'm so, I'm so like caught in my ways. I feel like in terms of just, I do push pull legs and I'm fine with it. Like I strength train three days a week. I don't want to change anything, but I'm also really curious about it. And like, I feel like you can't get as much like doing a program yourself, like doing a split, trying a new split is the best way to like learn about it and also understand why. Yeah. And you see how your body responds to it. It's yeah. It's it's nothing like going through it. Cause I know a couple of years ago, if you would have asked me whenever I hear the just term of full body training program, I immediately think of someone new to the gym or someone who can only make it to the gym once or twice a week. But I, I never thought of it past that. And I never especially thought about it as a very optimal option for intermediate and very advanced trainees. I never had even thought of that. It wasn't a question in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that still kind of exists today. Yeah, I agree. Like yeah. people immediately just turn their heads like, ah, I don't need it. I, 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 I already know everything there is to know about it. People don't really talk about it much. Like I, at least I don't think so. It, it's starting to become more popular. I've noticed over the last year or so, but you're right. People don't talk about it. It's like, I'm on a push pull leg. I'm on a bro split. Or maybe you hear people talking about an upper lower, but it's rarely a full body. And Jeff Nippard was actually the one who initially got me, I guess, piqued my interest a little bit. And when Jeff Nippard says something, you, you listen, right? You listen, mm-hmm. but we're going to break down today. That's going to be my new goal of the episode is to get you to do this full body split. After <laughs> we leave. That's, that's my new goal of the episode. So I think let's just start by explaining what it is. We're going to start by walking then we're going to run and then we're going to sprint explaining the different 
pieces and the different mechanisms on how it changes your body. So what is a full body split? Pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Workouts in which you train all of your major muscle groups every session, multiple times a week. Now we're talking about high frequency. We're not talking about one, two, or three times a week. We're talking about four to five times per week. And this is where if you tell most gym bros about this setup, they're just going to look at you like you have like horns growing out of your head. They just look at you like, what are you, are you kidding me? This guy's not mm -hmm. serious at all. I think they just see it. Like I just told you, like the one to two day per week or beginner kind of routine. And today is where we're going to learn why it's the exact opposite. And these top level bodybuilders and physique competitors, especially natural level respond really well to this. And I think it starts off with one big component. And I know this is what I learned when I first got my NASM CPT 10 years ago, when I think I first got one, but it was this very misunderstood concept that muscle damage or muscle breakdown is the main driver of muscle growth. And I think that concept is still held today, right? How many times have you mm -hmm. heard like, oh, you break yourself down in the gym, you rebuild out of the gym. That's not true. That's not how things work, right? Muscle damage are actually making micro tears in your muscle. This is an old idea. And yes, it happens when you're training, but it's an old idea that you're supposed to create micro tears in your muscle tissue so you can eat protein and fill those tears in bigger and come back stronger, right? You tear them apart, you fill those little pieces in. That was very like 80s, 90s, early 2000s. Look, and that's where the typical bro split or body part split, I think came from the idea of just driving one to two muscle groups into the ground, yeah. breaking them down and creating as much muscle damage as possible, like chest day, 20, 30 sets on one muscle. So you can't do a push up if your life depended on it mm -hmm. or shoulder day where you hit 20 sets and you can't even lift your arms up afterwards. It, because again, if you're causing more micro tears, more damage, old school thought is, oh, I can rebuild bigger and stronger take the rest of the week off to rebuild this and you're going to be sore. So you're going to need to, but have we talked about the three main drivers of muscle growth? I know here and there on the podcast, we have, we have. Yeah. But okay. I mean, every it's always good to have a refresher. So, so just to be clear, there are three main drivers of muscle growth. Okay. Number one, and this is the vast majority of where muscle growth comes from is not making micro tears is not breaking muscle down. It comes from something called mechanical tension. Okay. Mechanical tension is just the force exerted on a muscle by weights and both passive and active tension are going to be important. So the stretch under the load and the actual contracting against resistance and more and more recent research is showing the stretched part of a movement or almost any exercise is probably the most important part of the movement for muscle growth, but mechanical tension, that is the main driver when it comes to muscle growth. And I'm talking about it's responsible for at least 80% is what the industry is essentially agreeing on now. About 80 plus percent of muscle growth comes to mechanical tension. The second two are muscle breakdown, what we just talked about, and metabolic stress. And those contribute very little to muscle growth, even though they still play a role, it's very insignificant compared to mechanical tension. So muscle breakdown we're learning doesn't have nearly as much to do with muscle growth as we once thought. Muscle breakdown, this is also what we talked about before, what usually leads to muscle soreness or DOMS, right? When you can't lift your arms off or get off the toilet for like three days after leg day, it's probably because you have these micro tears that are sticking around. Now your body does repair these tears in the recovery process, but if you're just solely focusing on creating muscle damage, and we're going to talk about this more in a little bit by just, I mean, essentially promoting excessive amounts of soreness, for instance, you're probably 
going to be doing more harm than good because all that's going to do is not add to more muscle growth, but just impede how you're able to train. Have you ever had a leg day where you are still sore as hell from your previous leg day? You, yeah. you cannot, you can't lift half the weights that you normally would because you can barely walk in the gym in the first place. Yeah. Right. So it's, it, it's, it's counterproductive. So would you say it's still like a balance of the two because the whole creating the micro tears, the recovery process, like it's, it's what's happening. It's what, it's yeah. still what like taking place, but it's not the main driver. Absolutely. So, yeah. like so that's where it's, it's still important, still very yeah. important, but people used to think it's just that linear progression. The more muscle yeah. damage, the better. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like we really don't need excessive amounts of this to see progress if we're lining up mechanical tension correctly. And the third mm -hmm. part in this is just metabolic stress is the third driving factor of muscle growth, right? So there's mechanical tension, number one, muscle breakdown, number two, metabolic stress, number three. All right. And this is just a consequence of more anaerobic energy production during weight training. This just leads to certain metabolites like lactate, for example, this associated with cell swelling and acute inflammation that can contribute to muscle growth as well. That's an even smaller role, but it still deserves a place in these. Now, over the last several decades, we have a much better understanding where it's pretty much agreed that about 80% plus of building muscle is attributed to mechanical tension. And what's left over in that 20%, that's where it comes down to muscle breakdown and metabolic stress. So I think this is the first thought that I want to go over when it comes to full body training. The first thought that pops into your head when you hear full body is that you're not going to have enough time to recover. How are you going to train every muscle group every day of the week? You won't have enough time to recover. Don't you need at least one or two days off of that muscle to recover? Think about it like this. Are you basing that off the fact that if I'm saying we're going to hit chest every day, I'm not saying that we're going to hit chest day every day where we're doing mm -hmm. 15 to 20 sets of chest every single day. No, we're going to spread that out through the week. Are you basing that off the idea that you're used to pounding a muscle into the ground every day? What if you didn't do that, right? What if you didn't drive it into the ground, but you only did, let's say three to six hard sets to provide a good amount of mechanical tension, but not induce a ton of muscle damage because muscle damage is what really takes recovery. That's what takes several days to mm -hmm. recover from. So if you just don't add up excessive amounts of muscle damage, but you still provide a good amount of mechanical tension, why can't you go in the next day and train that same muscle group? Why can't you? I think that's the first thing that pops in. I know that's what got me first. Yeah. Is that when you were before from like, you're familiar with full body, especially high frequency. That's the first well, thought yeah, I think's got to pop the, in your head. The first time I was introduced to it, that was for, I don't know why, but I connected it the, to the bro split. I like thought about it in the context of the bro split. And I didn't, I don't really think I realized that until honestly right now, like, but that was the first thought of like, why would people want to push themselves into the ground like this, I feel like it's even worse. And, yeah. but that's like with little context, little understanding. But now I'm realizing I feel as though that is an instinct for most people to think about it in the context of the bro split. Absolutely. Because that's what everyone's used to is how can you recover from training every single day? It's because your definition, you're not even questioning in your head of what training a muscle group looks like is to where you're sore the next day, where you're building up massive amounts of fatigue. It's like, what if you just didn't do that. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of like a, well, it's just like a thought experiment. It's a thought experiment. What if you didn't do that? Cause I think that's where most people had a first block, but we're going to dive deeper into the actual recovery process 
next to kind of explain why this might work better. But before that, I want to highlight is why the full body split might be even better for intermediate and very advanced lifters than it is for people coming in. And this is something that I was very hesitant at first when visiting or hearing the idea, like how is the full body split going to be not just as good, but better for more advanced trainees than it is for newbies. Have we ever brought up Minnow Henselman's on this podcast before? Doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> I like that face, the, whatever that face was. But Menno Henselmans, he's on the Legion Scientific Review Board. He's a peer reviewer for Sports Medicine Journal, which I believe is like the highest impact factor journal in exercise science and also the Journal of Human Kinetics. He's a G, like homeboy, he's a G. But he was the first who I'd heard of explain optimal training frequency or how often you're hitting a muscle group throughout each week, which is something we've touched on before. But he brought up this very valid point of how it's very different for new gym goers or optimal frequency as it is for more intermediate to advanced trainees. And there's several reasons for this. But first things first, when we look at all available research, if you're a beginner, there's really no research that supports hitting a muscle group more than once per week leads to more growth. And we know that you can make insane progress as a beginner with zero lack in structure. You can do the bro split and you'll make just as good a progress if you do like the optimal split that the best coach who's ever existed put together. You don't, you don't need much if you're a beginner coming in here. You can just do the bro split hitting each muscle group once per week and you'll make just as, just as fine. But when you get more advanced, and this is his argument, as you get more advanced, the time course that you can elevate something called muscle protein balance decreases. What this is referring to is that there's a time after lifting weights when muscle protein synthesis increases. Why we talk about why it's so important for preventing muscle loss overall is because lifting weights stimulates muscle protein synthesis. Now the muscles, this is where they become more sensitive to amino acids. And this is why your muscles grow in the first place. This is pretty freaking cool. I wasn't as familiar with this work until Menno Henselman's. In new lifters, muscle protein synthesis stays elevated up to about two full days or 48 hours after a workout. So if you had a workout at noon on Monday, muscle protein synthesis will stay elevated through Tuesday through Wednesday at noon as well from that one workout where the more advanced you get, the quicker muscle protein synthesis seems to return back to normal where very advanced lifters, muscle protein synthesis seems to return back to normal within as little as 12 hours after a lift. So the theory is the more frequently you can hit that muscle, the more spikes in muscle protein synthesis you will see throughout the week and the less time muscle protein synthesis is lowered, which leads to more muscle growth. And I had never thought about that factor when incorporating it into this is when you've been training for years and years, intermediate to advanced being anyone who's been training over two years in the gym, is you never really think about it from that point of view. It's like, I've, that is something that like principle I remember learning that in school. I've read about that before. But for some reason, I feel like especially if you are so used to, say, doing a bro split or kind of hesitant to change, like, that sounds too good to be true. Like, think about it. Like, it kind of goes I, I against never, what I'm doing. But I never really thought about it in that sense where it's like, yeah, where the actual muscle becomes more sensitive to amino acids, where muscle building comes from in the first place. If you train, let's say biceps or shoulders or insert XYZ, whatever muscle group that you want to focus on. If you train that on Monday and you've been training for a few years and you either do that once a week or you don't train it again until Friday, muscle protein synthesis is going to drop back down before you go to bed on Monday night. 
meaning mm -hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it is at baseline or below for that muscle group that you're trying to focus on. And then you hit it again to spike it up on Friday. Rather than when you spread this out, you can increase it and have those spikes more consistent throughout the week. I really wanted to find some advanced training data on this. And I stumbled upon something. I think it's pretty freaking cool. I don't know if you've heard about this. Have you heard of the Norwegian Frequency Project? I have, actually. <gasps> yeah. I'm not really familiar with it, but my... I'd never yes, heard about heard this before. Mm -hmm. I'd never yeah, heard about this before. One of my professors was like, my exercise physiology professor talked about it all the time. It's like, I think this is very specific and niche. So it's so funny. I'm like, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> very, I'm very shocked. spoken fondly. Yeah. And there's like a little, uh, a little like secrecy to it, which is what kind of draws me into it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But the Norwegian Frequency Project. So in 2012, Norwegian researchers conducted a secret project called the Norwegian Frequency Project. This study was designed to give their national powerlifting team a competitive advantage. So it was never published in a peer-reviewed journal. It's never been published in a peer-reviewed journal. It's only been, I think, presented at several scientific conferences. And I think only one abstract has surfaced on the internet, like a little scratchy abstract, but nothing else. You really can't find a ton, a ton of detail on this, but here's why this study was so freaking cool is first it used very highly trained lifters, very advanced athletes on their team, because you have to study those individuals if that's what you want to observe change in. And they split them into two groups over 15 weeks, which is a pretty dang long time when you're working with this level of individuals, 15 weeks, one of the groups did full body three times per week. And the other group did full body six times per week. So three days versus six days were the two group. Now it's important to note that they exactly matched their total weekly training volumes or sets per muscle group per week in each group. So just for example, that means if you have 18 sets on your chest throughout the week, one group was doing about six sets over three workouts. The other group was doing three sets over six workouts. That's not a detail, but that's an example of what that would look like. Now, at the end of the 15 weeks, the six time per week group got nearly twice as strong and twice as big as the three time per week group, twice, twice as much strength, twice as much size. Okay. They increased their total strength by about 10% compared to 5% and nearly doubled their muscle size in that 15 week period. And this is even more significant because that is a lot of progress to see in extremely yeah. advanced athletes. That's yeah. very hard to notice that kind of change in that little amount of time in very advanced athletes where progress is hard to come by in the first place. All right. So if you take beginner or even intermediate lifters, you're going to see pretty good progress on most different training styles you put them on. As long as they're following some sort of progressive overload and they're eating a decent amount of protein in their diet, you're going to see some good results. So that's why this was huge. And I think super interesting is because there's nothing really else like it. Now I did find, I don't know if you saw this when you were looking up in your, your class as well, but a different team of researchers did try to replicate this that was published in the journal. Do you see what they tried to replicate it with? No, this part I'm not familiar with. It's not as cool. I'm going to give you a heads up. Like it's not as cool. So a different team of researchers, they tried to replicate this project because again, th this is a big deal, but I think why it was less significant is one, they used beginner to intermediate lifters. So they didn't use very advanced athletes. They used beginner to intermediate lifters. And the length of the study was only six weeks compared to 15 weeks, six mm -hmm. weeks. Like what, what change are you really going to notice in six weeks, even in beginners? 
so no shocker at the end of this paper, they didn't notice a difference between the groups in strength or size, but that's, that can't be a shock to anybody. It was six weeks and this is new to intermediate lifters. They're going to respond well to almost anything. So I think it shows that high frequency overall though, can be great for all lifters, right? Not just advanced lifters, not just intermediate, but newbies too. This can be a Mm -hmm. great style of training for almost anybody, but it does give more intermediate to advanced lifters more benefit. Now, I think this is the biggest part that most people miss when they're reviewing these papers and they're looking at this. And it brings us to, I think, the biggest benefit of a full body training split. But all of this research, which they had to in in these papers, all of this research matched weekly training volume. They matched it, right? Where all the groups were doing the same amount of total weekly sets. And that is one of the, arguably, one of the biggest predictors of progress. Now, the biggest benefit, I think, to a full body training split is how much easier you can accumulate more volume throughout the week when you spread these these sessions four to five times per week hitting each muscle group rather than trying to shove it all in one single workout. So it's like, yeah, when you compare them side by side, that makes a lot of sense. But that's also ignoring one of the largest benefits of this is it's much easier. And that's why for advanced trainers, especially this can give them an edge is because they're able to advance their training volume when doing a regular push pull leg and upper lower a bro split that becomes so much harder. That's why to intermediate and to advanced lifters, this is so powerful because mm-hmm. I mean, it's to a point, it's kind of a linear progression up when it comes to volume, right? The more volume you're able to do, the more progress you're going to see to a point, there's an overtraining point where it dips off. But for most people, that's not really somewhere you reach. So if the more volume you're able to do, the more progress you're going to see, let's give an example on like a shoulder day versus spreading your shoulder volume throughout five different days per week. Is it easier to do three or four sets each day of the week on your shoulders or 15 to 20 sets in a single workout? And then here's the the bigger thing. Let's say you're doing three sets on your shoulders. That's what you're normally doing now. Three sets, five days a week. That's 15 total sets. All you got to do to bump up your weekly training volume from 15 to 20 sets, which we've talked about progressive overload all the time. That's a massive step in progressive overload. All you have to do is increase from doing three sets per day to four sets. Add two minutes to your workout, maybe, right? Add two minutes to your workout where if you're pushing all of your shoulder volume into one single day, going from 15 to 20 sets, that means you're sticking around your workout for another half hour, another 20 minutes. So this is where it's easier to just accumulate more volume throughout the week is because all you have to do is add a set here add a set there rather than extend a single workout by 20, 30 minutes. Is that kind of making sense? Or do you think like, am I oh. breaking that down fine enough or no? Well, for me, when I hear that, and that's, you were explaining that to me when you first started doing the full body split, that's what really makes sense is when you think about how you're, how many days you're training this muscle group over the course of, I think that's what really put into perspective to me. And that does give more time to dedicate to each each muscle group. You can do more and you could do more efficiently. That's really how it all came together for me and I think that when you look at the look at it that way, when you really think about how no this isn't this idea of training I don't know, spending 2 hours in the gym to do full body every single day and pushing myself into the ground. It's no, I'm actually going to train more efficiently and 
stretch this out over the course of my week so that I can optimize my workout versus the alternative, which people, I think that that's where the biggest. And that's going to lead us to an even bigger point, which I'm excited for. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's a huge piece, right? I mean, your total training volume, and we talk about this all the time on the podcast for most major muscle groups, you want to aim between 10 and 20 hard sets per muscle group per week, whether that's in one workout, five workouts, that should be the first goal that you have, right? Is between that 10 and 20 set mark per week. But a concept that we haven't talked as much about is daily training volume. Essentially, this is the concept of daily volume is if you do one hard set of bicep curls in a workout, it will generate a certain amount of stimulus for muscle growth. Duh. If you do two hard sets, it'll generate twice as much stimulus. But what if you did 10 sets, 20 sets? How about 30 sets in one single workout? Is there a certain cutoff point, right? Would 30 sets cause you to grow 30 times more muscle than one set? Or is there a certain cutoff point where progress stops moving forward, making essentially any sets past that point wasted? That's what's called junk volume. There was this really cool research review that looked over nine different studies to figure out exactly where this point is. And we'll link it down below. It was by James Krieger. Excellent, excellent paper. But they found that muscle growth tends to be best up to that six to eight hard set point on that one muscle in one single workout. And that progress past that six to eight sets probably isn't really going to generate any more muscle growth. Six to eight in a single workout. So yes, obviously there's going to be certain muscle groups that tend to respond better to higher volume, like glutes, like quads, like triceps, your delts, for example. But even then, this would mean if you're doing a split right now, like the bro split or a body part split, where you have an entire day dedicated to a muscle group, doing 15 to 20 sets on that one muscle, chest day, for example, would probably mean that you're wasting more than half the time that you're even working out. And a full body split like we're talking about, where you're doing maybe six to eight hard sets per muscle group in a workout, spread throughout three to four days, would produce so much more progress for most lifters. Like it, that, that concept I don't think people really think of is the wasted set mark in a single workout. We've talked about the 10 to 20 weekly mark, but we haven't talked as much about the daily cutoff point, which is very real. And that's what initially was one of the biggest pushes for me when it came to full body is thinking about it like that. Cause I would have a back day and I just did a back day with my buddy, Jacob, and I'm on a full body training split, but he wanted to do back. So we did it. We did, I think 18 sets on back, just on our lats and our traps. Like it was, it was, it was just one day, 18 sets on all that. I couldn't lift. I mean, I could not keep my freaking chest up proud <laughs> the rest of the week, but it was one day and that's back day. And that's a normal thing for, I think a lot of lifters. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's something that I don't think many people talk about or consider. That's something though, that has always, I don't want to call it intuitive. That might be not be the best word, but that's all I can think of is intuitively that has always made sense to me. Like I've never been a fan of the bro split. Mm -hmm. When I think about it from a, a daily perspective that goes into my head of where do people think all of this energy to generate a muscle contraction is coming from? Why do people think that each major muscle group just has unlimited capacity to efficiently generate a muscle contraction and have enough ATP to do that? Why do, which is energy, um, what, how 
how do people and that's i say it's not intuitive because most people like wouldn't think like that just with but that I reasoning have, that's where i'm like maybe it's because most people don't think like that's not the first thought that pops in their head yeah i wonder how much atp i have left <laughs> maybe they just don't think like, like you do. it's 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 just this whole go hard or go home thing that makes uh, when no sense that makes that's why a bro split has never I never had a bro split. Well, I'm not a bro, but you don't have to be a bro to do the bro split. You're a bro. But you I, You're a bro. <laughs> I've never had that that phase or really have been tempted by it because that has never made made sense to me. But that's why when I like at the beginning of this episode, when I was bringing up, I'm like, why do people think about it? I think that just supports the whole muscle damage is what leads to muscle growth in yeah. most people's heads. That's how they think of it because they don't think about ATP, any of this. They just think the more damage I can cause, the bigger I can grow back for the next session. And that's where the bro split makes sense if that's how things did work. Yes. Right? That's where I think it makes sense. That I'm like, maybe most people don't have a Mariana brain. My ATP storage is running running on my reserves. But that's a good point. Now, we are going to get back because there's going to be several drawbacks to this. There are. With any split, with anything mm -hmm. you do, there are. But this leads us to our second benefit. And this is one that I did not expect when I started, right? I did not expect this when I started. I thought that if I was hitting the same muscle group day after day, I would be burnt out by day three or four, right? By day three or four, I'd be burnt out. I'm like, there's no way you can hit a muscle group every day and just your intensity would suck. But this is one of the biggest benefits when it comes to full body training is the intensity or the quality of each set. So think about it like this, right? Let's take your leg day, for example, probably five to six lower body exercises in a row. No matter how determined you are, if you start your workout with heavy squats and then move into RDLs or leg press, if you're doing those exercises with the right intensity and the right weight, your legs should be absolutely shot by the time it comes to leg extensions towards the end of your workout. Okay. Mm -hmm. The third, fourth, fifth exercise in your workout where you're just not going to be able to lift nearly as heavy weights because of how fatigued you are. So compare that to a full body split where you're spreading that volume throughout each week. You're only hitting one to two exercises for a single muscle group in one day. How much effort could you put into those sets knowing that you don't have to go leg press or do three to four more lower body exercises after that? Or if you're not coming off of three to four exercises, how much more effort, how much more weight could you put into that exercise for the day? If you're like, oh man, like I, I'm hitting three to four sets of leg extensions, but I've got shoulder press after this. I don't have leg press. I don't have squats. I don't have whatever. So full body splits, they don't just let you get more volume in, but higher quality volume throughout the week. Your set quality increases significantly. This is why it's becoming so freaking popular for muscle growth and strength progress. So not just more volume, but higher quality volume that caught me that, completely off guard. That's that is this piece here is what, when I think about it, I think this would be the swaying factor for me to do it because my upper body is fatigues, uh, especially my shoulders fatigues very quickly, uh, just due to past injuries. And it's yeah. something that I've just let myself get away with. But I know that a full body would allow for so much more potential for improvement because I wouldn't be so fatigued when I'm training my upper body. I I would be able to put so much more effort into a lot of the exercises that I feel like I'm compensating a little bit on. Um, 
So this, this fact right here is something I think about often. Like if you're doing like lateral raises for your shoulders, mm -hmm. but that's coming after you did shoulder press or cleans or whatever, right? Like after a big compound movement on your shoulders, you're going to have to freaking drop the weights by 50%. Same thing. And that's especially the leg example gets me just because I think so many people can relate to leg day after your first one or two exercises. And you're probably doing four or five or six on a leg day after the first one or two exercises. Like, let's be honest, you know, that your effort is going down. You might bring the intensity, like the, the, the rage, the energy to it, but your weights are suffering. And that's where this adds a unique benefit to your week is imagine if we're rating the quality of every set you do for the week. If you're doing 10 to 20 sets per week on any given muscle group, you could be doing 15 sets on chest throughout the week. But if that's all on one workout, how many of those sets are our quality? Where if they're spread throughout the week, almost all of them will be. You're getting much more out of every single set you do. And I think that's a very walked over, not thought of yeah. benefit when it comes to full body. I thought it'd be drained fatigue because total body fatigue can build up. And we're going to talk about something called the fatigue to stimulus ratio to look out for when you're picking these exercises to do it. Cause if you're just doing all compounds, if you do deadlifts into squats, into bench by bench press, you're going to be exhausted because of all, you, all you've done that before that. But that's why how you build these and what we're going to go over here soon matters. Now, the last benefit I think going over and talking about in this is coming to the neurological standpoint of your training. And this is something we have been talking about more and more. I think ever since Joe Stanek, my strength coach, was coming through and explaining the benefits to training like bench press, for example. When he and I were walking through what I was doing to progress bench press is physically bench pressing three days per week instead of just one day per week or two. But the frequency of that, and especially if you lower the intensity on certain days, so you're not causing much damage, you're strengthening that mind-muscle connection, that neurological aspect of strength, which so much of it comes from, like learning any other perceptual motor skill, like riding a bike right? The more you practice, the more you're strengthening that connection or the nervous system recruiting the right muscle fibers and the right coordinating muscle contractions at once. That's where a lot of strength comes from. Now think about it in a full body training split. If you're getting repetition, no matter what it is on your delts, on your chest, on your glutes, on whatever, if you're able to use those in a certain way, five times a week or four times a week, how much more efficient is that mind-muscle connection going to be compared to if you just do it once a week or twice a week? Another understated benefit that comes with this is that practice aspect that we've been a little bit more heavy on when it comes to strength, which just allows you to lift heavier weights, progressively overload easier. That's a big one that, again, I did not think of before I started several, several months ago that I noticed coming through is you get practice. Mm -hmm. You get practice. Yeah. And that's huge. Now, yeah. let's talk about everyone's biggest concern the the recovery and the overtraining aspect because there's two points and drawbacks to this the overtraining and the recovery now i do want to reemphasize this remember when we're saying that we're hitting chest every day or legs every day we are not saying that we are not saying that you are doing leg day every day and i think we've talked about this before the term overtraining in my opinion gets overused a lot yeah you think so like overtraining like overtraining essentially what that refers to is when your training demands consistently exceed your body's ability to recover from them. That's what overtraining means. Now, first of all, true overtraining, very rare, very rare. Like in my 10 years of training and coaching, I've seen it maybe once or twice in someone. And I think I've only hit that wall 
once over 10 years. You know what? Why? You know why I think this is? You know why I think this is? Tell because me. <laughs> let me, I'm going to tell you why. People confuse overtraining with overexercising. Yes, I could you not can, have said that better. Because a lot of people aren't, we've, we've had this conversation, a lot of people aren't actually training. They're going to the gym, they're working out, they're not training. And you can over-exercise, you can over-exert yourself, you can spend too much time on, just too much time in the gym in general, not prioritizing recovery, over-exerting yourself yeah. in physical activity, but actually training efficiently, doing too much of that, that doesn't happen too often. No. It's harder no. It's, to do. It's, yeah, especially – I know you brought it up at this point too. Is not just the overtraining aspect, but a lot of people might feel this because they're under-eating. Not overtraining, yeah. but under-fueling themselves, which mm -hmm. again is not overtraining. But if you're starving yourself on these diets or not getting enough protein, it's like your body's, again, not going to be able to recover properly. So first of all, it just it, it's pretty rare. And it doesn't just happen all of a sudden. Okay, There are all sorts of warning signs that can hint towards overtraining territory, a clear and continuous loss of progress in strength and size. So not just a wall you're hitting, you are losing muscle, you are losing strength over weeks and months. Disturbed sleep, persistently aching joints and muscles, right? You, you are consistently just living sore. An extreme lack of motivation to train or even depression, where I've seen it a few times as well. This stuff builds up. This isn't just like one week you went a little too hard and we are now considered in the overtraining state. So that's the first part. The second part is overtraining. It typically results from either too much volume or too much intensity, not necessarily how many days you're taking off in between those rounds. It's more due to just how much total volume you're doing and how much intensity are you putting towards those. So that's what I want to talk about on the overtraining aspect. So if overtraining is a worry for you, it shouldn't be when it comes to this kind of split. Now, when it comes to recovery, this is still going to be a hot topic because maybe you're, maybe you're like, Hey, they're making this sound real good. Maybe I'll try this out. You are still going to experience soreness in the first several weeks if you start training on a full body high frequency split, but that is just like you would do with any new training split or stimulus. We talked about that. Soreness mainly comes from novel stimulus, right? That when it's something new, if you go from a, a high repetition range to a low repetition range one week, if you go full body to PPL, from PPL to full body, whatever it might be, you're going to experience some soreness in the first few weeks. But there is something called the repeated bout effect. And I don't know if we've ever mentioned that before. I know maybe in terms, but it's called the repeated bout effect, where usually after about your third week, your body just adapts to the new stimulus and it learns to recover quicker from your training. And in building this program out, not just ours, but for everyone listening who wants to build their own out or to try this out on their own, it's very important, I think, that you start the first few weeks working at a bit lower RPE than normal, just to get your body acclimated to that high frequency style of training. So this is why like in our program, for example, week one, we're starting around like an RPE seven compared to an eight or nine we're working up to on week three. We're not just jumping straight into it. I think that's a very important mark for anybody trying to start it. Start low, start low on RPE. And for RPE, if you're like hearing that term, you're like, wait a second, what? We have a, a past round robin episode on RPE. I think the title is how do you know how heavy you need to be lifting, but it's essentially just how close you're working to failure. Okay. So you should not be taking your sets to failure in the first week right? But stopping about three repetitions short. 
But regardless, I think even this in the first few weeks, you're going to train sore a few times in the first two weeks. You're going to, there's no way around that. And training sore just, I mean, it sucks, but this is why it's important to go through a full warm up, right? Take your time, warm things up, get your blood flowing. So you don't push things too far. If you're extra sore, I know what helps me a lot is foam rolling. That's one thing that if I'm sore the day before, I'll sit on the foam roller for five minutes and I'll usually be good before my workout. Okay. We need to have, we need to discuss this in, in an episode. Does it actually do anything though? The foam roller? Yeah. Like, does it actually do anything other than like hurt so good? Like it hurts I think really all good. It, like, <laughs> there's not a ton of supporting research for what it just, it essentially the research supports that it extends your range of motion. Like it improves your range of motions during lifts. I mean, it's, think of it. It's like a deep tissue massage. It's like kneading like, out the fascia. Yeah. So I think that's the only reason I use a foam roller is if I'm sore or just to loosen it up, which again, could be done on a treadmill by just mm -hmm. walking, could be done through mobility work. I've noticed for soreness, foam rolling helps me a little bit more. They're not like some miracle thing. Like I think they used to be called when they came out like 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah. But either way, like, so if you're doing like, we included a full mobility and warm up routine in that FS program, in the program that's available to all premium members. But after two to three weeks, and here's going to be the part that you want to look out to. And this is, this is a, a good marker of success when you switch to full body. After the first two to three weeks, you should actually rarely experience soreness. Rarely. And that's a good thing because soreness, again, is not good for muscle growth. All it does mm -hmm. is impede your performance. So full body should actually improve recovery overall compared to other splits because you're giving it a high frequency stimulus. Now, the only potential drawback, and I think there's a positive and a drawback to this, is when it comes to repetitive stress injuries. So on your joints and your ligaments, the things that don't heal as quickly as muscle tissue, right? This is one thing where, let's say you have a bad shoulder, right? You have a bad shoulder. Training it every day, I've noticed one of two things happen when people start a full body training split. Either one, it can accentuate the problem. I, it's not, I can't, it's hard to say if it's because this is just anecdotally, it's hard to say if it's because of a lack of mobility routine or strengthening exercises for the joint that's already causing pain. But what I also typically notice is people that have had joint pain, like my shoulder has given me problems for the past several years when I'm on an upper lower splitter PPL. When I did full body, I tried to go in without any expectations, but I think subconsciously I was expecting my shoulder to get worse. And I noticed it kind of went away after the first I, several few weeks. I think that's because I'm not pounding that joint into the ground every day I train. It. I also think it goes back to when you were talking about that practice piece, you're practicing the same movements, motions, say you're, you know, doing a whatever, same exercise more than just once a week. This can tap into where I see a huge benefit from full body is it taps more into the said principle, which is specific adaptations to impose demands. So your body is going to get better at a skill or responding to a stimulus when it's repeated, when it Absolutely. continues to have that exposure. The more exposure, the better you are at adapting to it, the better you get at that specific skill. This applies to our muscles. And I think because of the ex repeated exposure, but at a volume that doesn't go into overtraining, you're not reaching this overtraining piece, but you're actually getting more practice and you're, yeah. you're optimizing your training volume as well at the same time. I didn't really think about it before, but that said principle really applies to this program more so than any other 
I didn't think about that either, but you're totally right. Yeah. Like when it comes to those repetitive stress injuries, because isn't that the first thought that popped in my head is this would make those worse. Yeah. But I think because of that, and then just to that point as well, if I'm working my shoulder, even though it's happening four to five times a week, I'm not doing 20 sets on it. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not using it to where all the supporting muscle groups are fatigued now. And it's more pressure on the joint itself because none of my muscles are really reaching like a fully fatigued state. So that's one potential drawback that I have noticed in certain situations, repetitive stress injuries have gotten worse, but more often than not, I've noticed that they actually get better. Okay. So now that we go through the potential benefits drawbacks, now let's talk about how exactly to set up a full body training routine. So we've gone through everything else. Let's talk about how to actually set one up, depending on what stage you are. If you're brand new, if you're advanced, how you want to organize your workouts, because there is more detail than just going, oh, I'll just wing it and go do every single muscle group every day. You got to go in with a plan. So if you don't want to try out the premium program, which I'm even honestly, if you don't want to do it, we spent countless hours putting it together that I still think you could learn a lot. And it's like five freaking bucks. It's like the cost of a coffee. But anywho, here's how you want to organize and build your workout. So starting off, you got to decide how many days per week you want to do this. So it, this is my recommendation. If you're a true beginner or novice, right? If you're in your first one to two years of lifting, you can make exceptional progress doing full body just two to three times per week, two to three times per week, giving yourself a day off in between that is more than enough in your, if you're in the beginning stages. If you are intermediate, meaning about two to five years you've been training, I think four to five days per week is going to be a sweet spot for you because that's what would be considered high frequency in full body. And then if you're truly advanced or if you're using PEDs, that's where I'd say five days a week is where you'd want to go with. Like truly advanced, you're really looking at optimizing your training. That's where you'd start with five days per week. And all of these recommendations are for building muscle and losing fat. Either of these are for the recommendations. Now I say that for PEDs, and this is why sometimes you see athletes who are on high doses of PEDs, who compete, who stuff like that, who might still be following some sort of a bro split. That makes sense in those scenarios because one thing that PEDs do really well is it improves your ability to recover from very high volumes. So when we say the, the volume recommendations are 10 to 20 hard sets per muscle group per week, that's if you're not using PEDs. If you're doing PEDs, you could recover from much more than that. 30 to 40, 50 sets I've even seen on higher doses that your body can still recover from. So that's where having a single day where you are doing 20, 30, 40 sets on a muscle group would make sense. And that's where it's also, it's, it's I try to turn a blind eye, but you see someone on TikTok or on Instagram who makes a video of their chest day or their arm day. And it's like Jay Cutler or it's, it's Phil Heath who are Kings at what they did, but a ton of people who are not on copious amounts of PEDs. Like if you go back and actually look at the cycles that these guys did during their training and when they're doing this style of training, I mean, it's absurd. The amount of one compounds and then the quantity of compounds that they're on, like how much of each they're on. Yeah. For, for, like, for yeah. people who don't know, performance peds are performance enhancing steroids performance enhancing drugs yeah steroids that it should have just said I, steroids. we need to have an app i need more of i don't really know your whole take on peds i think well, i have an idea but i feel like it'd be fun to talk about them that would be i would love to have like a derek for more plates more dates or an endocrinologist come in and 
and endo would be tough because it'd have to be one that specializes in uh training with like these athletes because they make sense in certain scenarios like if you're like i'm not going to judge like if your goal is to win mr olympia you cannot do that without using vast amounts of peds and different steroids yeah but that's you can't but that's not the long game like they oh, no not... that's what i'm saying like it, that's is that going to be good for long-term health yeah. no is that going <laughs> to no. be good for i mean overall health even in the moment no but it's going to no. help them accomplish that goal right so i i think it's it really just it's so context dependent where it's like what compounds are we talking about? Are we talking about just testosterone? Are we talking about adding in things like trend, D-ball, like all these really harmful things? What's the quantity? That's one trend that Derek and I were talking about is this new trend of like, I'm on TRT. And it's like just an excuse to blast testosterone where you're doing like five to 10 times the recommended dose to raise to yeah. super physiological levels. That's not the same thing as someone What's the drug that women level. do? I know some women do. Anivar like, is usually okay. the, the big That's it. Drug. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. more of an oral supplement. But that would be a fun one to actually do and have someone who's in the space Tell more beginning. But it's, just, it's so context dependent, right? So if you're using PEDs, you can recover from higher volumes, right? And that's one of the benefits that they bring to the table, right? Is you can do 30, 40, 50 hard sets a week on a muscle group and it's not overtraining for you. Your body's able to recover. But that's also because, and this is without going into the weeds, it raises that baseline muscle protein synthesis. If you just have that much circulating anabolic hormones going through your body, your rates of muscle protein synthesis or muscle building are just through the roof while you're sleeping, while you're doing anything where everybody else has highs and lows through the day. Yeah. So that's one thing. And I wanted to mention that because I'm like, people use them. So that's where five days a week, this would be beneficial. Now, how you organize each workout matters a lot. So for example, and I'll use the training split we built, but just to give everyone an example, is that you still want to have an emphasis for each workout. So our program is built like this, where we have four full body days and then a mobility accessory day in the middle, where day one is called full body one. That is a still more lower body focused workout. So you're still hitting full body, but you're stacking two to three lower body movements rather than just one. Day two is a more anterior chain or anterior muscle groups just being those on the front side of your body. Focus of a day. So these muscle groups primarily include quads, chest, abs, delts. Day three is where mobility and accessory would come in. So where you're still active, your mobility, and this is where we have add-ons in the program if you want to focus on adding volume to your glutes, your delts, or improve a certain lift like the bench dead or squat, this is where you'd add this on. But a mobility day in the middle just to make sure, again, that you're recovering properly. And then day four being posterior chain, posterior, posterior, posterior. chain focus. <laughs> so the backside of your body movements involved with mostly like pulling, extending the hip and knee, maintaining an upright posture. So your hamstrings, your glutes, your lats, your traps, and then day five being a higher volume muscle group day. So your glute, shoulder, back and tricep more focus. So although you're hitting full body every day, it's still important to emphasize certain things on certain days. You could do a push pull, you could do an upper lower, but you're still incorporating full body. You might just give an emphasis to a certain muscle group on a certain day as well. So how you organize those matter. Mm -hmm. Now, I think this is the most important part is your exercise choice. Okay. So in choosing what exercise you do, this is something, I don't know if you and I had talked about this on the podcast, but you want to look at something called your stimulus to fatigue ratio. Okay. Your stimulus. We to need like ratio. We need. We say this all the time. Have we talked about this before? We need to keep a running tally so that we can have okay, wait, we, a folder of all the things that we've talked. 
We should have a board, like a whiteboard in the back, just so we can mark it and see. So it's like, oh, we mentioned it eight times this episode. <laughs> Maybe we should make an episode about it. But it's your your stimulus to fatigue ratio on a given exercise. So really, what this is a stimulus to fatigue ratio. It's a measurement of how much hypertrophic stimulus or muscle building stimulus an exercise provides relative to how much fatigue it causes. So generally speaking, exercises with a high stimulus to fatigue ratio should be prioritized because they're going to be providing a large amount of training effect for a relatively small recovery demand. So exercises with a high stimulus to fatigue ratio would be things like seated leg curls and leg extensions, where you can break down your quads, your hamstrings, you can provide a lot of stimulus, but it doesn't take a lot to recover from because you're isolating them. It's like doing a 45 degree hyperextension compared to a barbell hip thrust, which would be lower on that list because it requires so much, so much fatigue. Cable rows versus barbell rows, same muscle group. You're providing a lot more stimulus with a lot less recovery in those high stimulus to fatigue ratios. Exercises with a low ratio would be like a deadlift, a squat, a bench, really just any Olympic or compound movement would be those. And not saying to avoid them, but what I would say is, don't include more than one or two exercise with a very low stimulus to fatigue ratio. So compound movements, don't do more than one, maybe two of them in a single workout. Start your workout with a squat like we did, a squat, a dead or a bench, and then move to more isolated work throughout. Okay, so find the bigger movements, put them towards the beginning of your workout. Okay, limit it to once or twice a day. Like for example, I think the only one we have twice on is when we have squats and then overhead press, which doesn't require nearly as much recovery, but overhead press is still a compound movement. And then if you have two to three exercises in one muscle group on that day, I would make sure that the following day doesn't really have more than one because no, if you are having two or three, you're just causing a little bit more muscle damage that you might need more time to recover from. Is it the end of the world if you don't? No. But the following day, you wouldn't want to stack up more than one exercise generally as you mm -hmm. go on for that muscle group that you did like two to three on the day before yes exactly yeah and that's so the point do... of having a focus so exactly like have all right cool yeah exactly so why you go like anterior <laughs> to posterior is you might have several exercises lined up on your glutes and your hamstrings but the next day anterior focus you might still hit your glutes or hamstrings but it's only on one movement yeah. compared to okay. two or three as you want. So that's how you'd want to set it up. And again, you can do that in many different ways. So that's how you'd set up the workout. That's how you'd organize the week. I'm trying not to leave anything on the table for this episode. Is there anything that I might've jumped over? If someone wanted to say, put a little bit more focus on their glutes, could they do more post posterior? Focus? Could they do that? Could you do that twice a week instead of like what you focus on, how much would you say is too much? If someone's like, oh, I, I really just want to grow my glutes. I'm just going to do like three days of, at okay. what point could that be? So, I feel like some people might, like it's yeah. still Where's easy to overdo point? it. Yeah. Well, well, cause this is honestly, <laughs> it sounds like I am just, I'm in love with this and this is, I'm just sucking it off. I'm just, I won't get off. It's, <laughs> it's freaking lap. It doesn't, but this is another <laughs> benefit to like a full body training program is if you have an emphasis, like a lot of girls want to improve their overall composition, but want to really focus on glute development or a lot of guys want to improve their overall physique, but really want to focus on shoulder improvements. So if you have a focus or an add on, that's why we added these different add ons in the program. So if you want to add extra volume on your glutes, on your delts, 
bench squat, whatever it is, you can do so in a productive way. And this is why it's so easy is let's say you have three sets. Let's just say, for example, you have three sets of each exercise on full body, one, two, three, four. Okay. That's how you choose to set it up. All you have to do to add a focus onto one of those muscle groups, like glutes is instead of three sets for every other exercise that day, do four. And that adds up to, again, another four to five sets throughout the week, which is more than enough to emphasize a certain muscle group. So it's, it's just making small tweaks. It's not like you have to completely redesign everything. So like you're saying, and like adding in different focused days, you could technically make each day have a little bit of a glute emphasis or a little bit of a delt emphasis or whatever you want to get better at by just slowly bumping up the volume by one or two sets, because you're going to be stretching out throughout the entire week rather than, you know, you have leg day. Oh, I'm going to add five more sets on at the end of my workout to glutes when I'm already fatigued and it's going to stretch my workout by another 25, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Adding one to two sets of workouts is going to stretch your workout by maybe five minutes, maybe. Right. So that's yeah. about it. So it's important to still look at it in terms of total weekly training volume. So if you're really going too far past that, like 20 set mark on a certain muscle group, some of those higher volume muscle groups like glutes, like shoulders, like triceps, like back that respond a little bit better, 20 to 25, maybe. But if you're going past that tipping point, that's when I'd say, okay, time to dial it back in. Mm-hmm. If that answers your question. Like if you're like, yeah. you want to drive glutes into the ground, it's like, cool. Make sure that that first principle is in line, that you're not going over that 2025 mark on those high stimulus muscle groups. But again, that's like another, I'm trying to find more bad things about it. And like I told you like this, I don't like to say there's best of anything. Like why I am starting to consider this more of the best split for most people is because the flexibility on your individual goals can be tweaked in so many small different ways to just make it so much easier to knock out. It's so, I, I'm like, listen, I'm all in, I'm all in on it. <laughs> I'm all in on it. In case you guys didn't know already. Yeah. I'm a Tony big likes fan. us. <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, uh, I'm a big fan. So if you want to experiment with full body, again, that's going to be in the description down below, a link over to fitness stuff, premium, the premium version of this podcast, where you get the weekly extra episodes, you get all that extra stuff that we talk about at the beginning. But that's where we release all of our training programs too, which we did the push-pull leg back. So if you want that, that's still there. But it's just five bucks a month. And then last Friday, so two days ago, is when we dropped the training program and the actual video explaining how to take it, how to tweak it, how to make it yours, and how to track and monitor your progress in the sheet that we give you to do so throughout. So that's where you can find it if you're looking to experiment with it. But that was... I know I've been asking you about it for like the last eight weeks wanting to do this. And I know we decided to do it 12 weeks after our last program, but I've been itching because <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. I feel like this is going to be way more popular even in the next like two years. More and more, especially of the, I guess the leaders in this industry, the Jeff Niffords, the Lane North, the people are starting to come more and more onto it. I'm telling you in the next several years, when people start to really understand how to modify and build full training done right, because it can be done very wrong it's going to be the new push pull. Like it's going to be the new, whatever's the next trend for good mm-hmm. freaking reason. Cause people are going to notice so much better progress and so many fewer drawbacks. I'm pumped, man. I feel like I'm never so one-sided on something on this podcast. So all the important notes, any papers that we link to can be down in the show notes below, but that's it. Hope y'all have a productive week. I'm doing this full training program with you. So Oh, let's hit it together. I'm actually doing it like the exact set one using the same tracker, everything. So I'm pumped for it. Maybe what's your I sign off too. note for the day? What's your, <laughs> what's your sign off note for the day? It's my favorite part each week.
I don't have, I never have a good. I know you have to come up with it. I never want to be like, thanks for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next week. Like Tony and I suck with our outros because it just sounds, I, I don't know if anyone listening has noticed, but we hate the formal, like even our intro, love it. But at the same time, it's just everything practiced and rehearsed gives me the egg so bad. (laughs) So we just got to end sometime. See you next week. Go read a book. We'll see everybody in premium this Friday for another AMA episode and everybody else next Monday. We'll talk to y'all soon.